Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. It's your boy Sully on the Maximize the Moment podcast, a.k.a. the Excuse Me podcast. Excuse me. Your greatness is with God. And the opening quote for today's podcast is he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott. On February 2nd, 1952, the 26-year-old Jim Elliott waved goodbye to his parents and he boarded his ship for an 18-day trip to San Pedro, California, to Quito, Ecuador, South America. He and his missionary partner, Pete Fleming, first spent a year in Quito learning to speak Spanish. They moved to Shandia, a small Quechua Indian village. Jim and Pete studied hard. They studied hard to learn the language and fit in. And their hard work paid off, as in six months, they were both speaking Spanish well enough to move to Shandia. When they arrived at Shandia, they also had to learn to speak the speech of the Quechuas. Now, three years later, many Quechuas had become faithful Christians. January 2nd, 1956 was the day that 29-year-old Jim Elliott had waited for his entire life. Jim now began to feel that it was time to tell the Alcas about Jesus. Now, the Alcas had killed many Cachoas and many outsiders. They had also killed several workers at an oil company drilling site that was near the territory. The oil company actually closed the site because everyone was afraid to work there. Jim knew the only way to stop the Alcas from killing more people was to tell them about Jesus. Jim and the four other Ecuadorian missionaries began to plan their way to show the Alcas that they were friendly. Nate Saint, a missionary supply pilot, came up with a way to lower a bucket filled with supplies to the people on the ground while they were flying above them. He thought this would be a perfect way to win the trust of the Alcas without putting anyone in danger. They began dropping off gifts to the Alcas. They also used an amplifier to speak out friendly Alca phrases. After many months, the Alcas actually sent a gift back up in the bucket to the plane, and Jim and the other missionaries felt that it was time to come face to face with the Alcas. One day while flying over Alca territory, Nate Saint spotted a beach that looked long enough for the plane to land on. He planned to land there, and the men would build a treehouse to stand safe until friendly contact would be made with the Alcas. The missionaries were flown in one by one and dropped off on the beach. Nate Saint then flew over the Alca village and he called for the Alcas to come out to the beach. After four days, an Alca man and two women appeared. It was not easy for them to understand each other since the missionaries only knew a few Alca phrases. They shared a meal with them and Nate even took a man up in a flight in the plane. The missionaries tried to show sincere friendship and asked them to bring more next time. The missionaries waited for the Alcas to return for the next two days. Finally, two Alka women walked out of the jungle on day six. Jim and Pete excitedly jumped into the river and waded over to them. As they got closer, these women did not appear friendly. Jim and Pete almost immediately heard a terrifying cry behind them. And as they turned, they saw a group of Alka warriors with their spears raised, ready to throw. Jim Elliott raised his gun out of his pocket and he decided in an instant if he should use it. But he knew he couldn't. Each of the missionaries had promised that they would not kill an Alka who did not know Jesus to save himself from being killed. Within seconds, the Alka warriors threw their spears, killing all the missionaries, Ed McCauley, Roger, Nate Saint, Pete Fleming, and Jim Elliott. 
late in the afternoon on Sunday, January 8th, Elizabeth Elliott, Jim's wife, waited for the two-way radio to hear Nate Saint and his wife discuss how things had gone that day. But unfortunately, there was no call. As evening turned to night, the wives grew worried and they knew the news was not good. Next morning, another missionary pilot flew over the beach to look for the men, and he saw only the badly damaged plane on the beach. News quickly spread around the world about the five missing missionaries. A United States search team went to the beach, found the missionaries' bodies, and they buried them. But... Don't think Operation Alka ended there because it did not. In less than two years, Elizabeth Elliot, her daughter Valerie, Rachel Saint were all able to move to the Alka village. Many Alkas became Christians. They are now a friendly tribe. Missionaries, including Nate Saint's son and his family, still live among the Alkas today. Many give some, but few give all. Who is ready to give themselves. Jesus gave it all up for us. Who is willing to give their lives for him? Second Corinthians five says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God who will leave it all out for Christ. The act of following is innate to leaving all things that do not reflect Jesus. Whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Mark 8 says this, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with his holy angels. Let's take a realistic look at the disciples and those who actually followed and walked with Christ day to day. Andrew, he was crucified. Bartholomew, he was beaten. Then he was crucified. James, he was stoned to death. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded. John was boiled in oil. And when that failed, he was exiled until his old age. Judas was stoned to death. Matthew was speared to death. Peter was crucified upside down. Philip was crucified. Simon was crucified. Thomas was speared to death. Matthias was, was speared to death. This is what happened to those who walked and talked with Jesus. Luke 14 says this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning them to to the side. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, their wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You got to be all in on Jesus. You can't only be saved on Sunday. Paul states in Philippians to put to practice what you have learned. Salvation is not just an utterance of words, but a sacrifice of what is sanctioned by the kingdom. Simply put, we grow into our salvation through the process of continual separation from the worldly desires and integration of Christ. 
are setting apart spiritual separation and spiritual integration. Though this is not always physical, we are in the world, but not a part of the world. Be holy as I am holy. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of any kind. Do you know that the Navy SEALs, the BUDS training, the toughest military training in the world has a 75 to 80 percent attrition rate? They are separated for a purpose to go out into the world, yet they are not of the world, but of the United States Navy. Their separation, preparation, and mission makes them special. They belong to the most powerful Navy in the world. We belong to God who created the entire world. We have been called by the creator and author of our faith. We have a purpose and commission. Our separation creates the incubation for the missions God has called us in connecting with those who are in the world. Romans 5 tells us because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame, Because God's love has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's a quote that I absolutely love that says, hard work spotlights the character of people. Some turn up their sleeves, some turn up their noses, and some don't turn up at all. When you're confronted with Jesus, in which way will you have turned up? Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on. I want you to please imagine with me that you're in Washington State and you're trying to travel by car to D.C. So you're in Washington State and you got to make this long track to Washington, D.C. And so while you're on this long track, you're halfway through the country, you're in the Midwest and your car breaks down in the middle of nowhere. You have no cell phone reception. Your car is not going anywhere. You don't know what's wrong with your car. You're looking around. You don't see anything. But way off in the distance, you see a big red barn. And so you decide that you're going to make your way to that barn because there's got to be someone who lives in that big red barn. And so you make your way through the corn, you're making your way through the fields, you're making your way through the dust, but you start to hear some commotion as you get closer to that red barn. You start to hear some voices and you get closer and closer. And as you peek into that red barn, you realize it's the animals that are arguing. And as you listen to them argue, they're arguing over the farmer's breakfast and not just over the farmer's breakfast, but who gives most to the farmer's breakfast. And and extremely perplexed, you listen in and you see the nervous chicken and nervous chicken gets up and he says, I give the most to the farmer's breakfast. I give the eggs, the fluffy scramble, the over easy, the eggs Benedict. I give the most to the farmer's breakfast and all the animals erupt. Yes, the chicken, the chicken gives the most to the farmer's breakfast. But then the obnoxious cow, he speaks up and he says, no, I give the most to the farmer's breakfast. My milk goes into the farmer's pancakes. It goes into the cheese that's on his eggs, the cream cheese that's spread across his bagel, and of course, the ice cold milk. And when he drinks that milk every morning that he enjoys, he says, got milk. And yes, the animals erupt. Yes, the cow, that cow gives the most to the farmer's breakfast. But then from the shadows, from the deep corner, comes the deep bellow and it was the pig and he says you're right to the chicken you're right to the cow you give some good things to the farmer's breakfast but in order for the farmer to eat his sausage to eat his ham to eat his bacon to eat his corn hash to eat his steak i must give all that i am i must give my life a lot give few few give their all we are called to love our enemies 
We pray for those who persecute you. We bless those that curse us. We turn the other cheek. We go the extra mile. We are called to give the shirts off our back. We are called to love your Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Following Jesus is the most rewarding and the most trying endeavor that you'll ever take on. And it's because it's all about committing all that we are to an internal relationship when so many of us are so used to having so many relationships on our own terms, which is it opposes the framework God has set up in order to worship him appropriately within the greater kingdom of creation. What are your motivations for all the things that you do? Where do your motivations derive from? Do you play Christian or do you practice Christ. Practice makes permanence. A practice is an actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method. I'll say that again. A practice is an actual application of a use of an idea, belief, or method. What ideas, attitudes, and behaviors are you practicing? For the things that we have learned before we can do them, we must learn by doing them said Aristotle, and the things that we practice reflect the principles that we embody. Are you losing in public because you're not winning in private? Like a spouse that gets beat at home, eventually the bruises are going to show up. So whether you recognize it or other do, others people do, if your relationship ain't right at home, it's gonna, it's not going to sustain away from home. And many of us, we work so hard. We pour all we want to in bottomless relationships that are outside of God. We, when we get with God, And he pours into us so that we can pour into others the right way. We'll sacrifice for success, but we won't sacrifice for our salvation. We'll hit the gym. We'll hit the books. We'll hit the mall. We'll hit up Amazon. We'll hit up that girl. We'll hit up that guy. We'll hit up that astrology sign, that social media, that music, that TED talk, those TikToks. You make an upwards of 35,000 decisions a day and every decision is a sacrifice towards the progression or regression. We sacrifice the orange for the cake. We sacrifice heading to the gym to hang out with friends. We sacrifice reading a book for that new Netflix special. Or that new Ahsoka Seshel, i.e. that's me. We make sacrificial decisions every day. A parent sacrifices time alone, time to re-energize, time with community, time for sleep, to ensure that the kids are taken care of. We sacrifice every day. But the one thing we should never sacrifice is our relationship with Jesus. Because it is in him we have the aid in carrying our crosses our burdens, our worries. We gain insight to the evolutionary progression we ought to have in our thinking, our behaviors, the basis of our motives, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to others, how we lean into stewardship of our greater responsibility to our purpose in being here on earth. By sacrificing self, we get to peek into the transcendent, thus transforming cultural paradigms and spiritual pleasures towards eternal edification and glorification. God wants it all. We are not here on the planet for our own sakes, but only as a result of our origin to the creator. We are here to fulfill a purpose to the one that we belong to. Many give some, but few give all. Enter in by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who would go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. When God had enough thought to create everything that we are, why would we not have enough humility to give him all of us, the many and the few, wide and the narrow, life and the death? Which will you choose? Let's get it.